TLGPE DNA shares some of the tips and tricks required to deliver outstanding PE lessons. In these podcasts, we focus on the how to teach element of PE, looking specifically at how we teach, how we maximise learning and how we grow the individuals. Teach, learn, grow. The principles that TLGPE was founded on. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the TLGPE DNA podcast. I'm Matt and again I'm, again I'm joined by Colin for this podcast and we're going to talk about communication, one of the four areas of how we teach PE. Does everybody understand? <laughs> That's very good, have you been thinking about that? I have, yeah. Yes, yeah, very good. <laughs> so that, that joke might not carry any weight at the moment, but hopefully by the end of the podcast, if you listen to it again, you will go, oh, I'll get it. Um, do you understand? Yes. Uh, right, so we are, we're going to look at, from a communication point of view, some different communication styles in PE. Uh, obviously we've talked in other podcasts about kind of the the challenges that sometimes come into communication in PE whether that be in space whether that be in location whether that be in weather you know and the need to change the uh, the volume of our voice being able to use different techniques to get attention whether that be hand clapping whistling or whatever you know but there are from a PE perspective there are very different things that we need to consider and you know one of the biggest communication elements in PE is obviously demonstrations yeah definitely so I've got a question for you then there go on then who should demonstrate whoever's best at it ah good answer so not so you know our thinking was that should it be the teacher should it be a child it should be whoever's going to give an accurate demonstration because we've had it the reason I went for that is we've had it before where you've shown something or somebody's shown something it's not necessarily quite gone right it's gone right so that's why you don't want to see you do it and now I'm going to show you how you do want to do it people might only remember the first one might have only seen the first one might, you know yeah so what what is a demonstration a demonstration is a visual instruction yeah so a, a demonstration is me showing you what this should look like right yep so it has to be shown right if you show it wrong you're basically doing the same thing as Ikea giving you a set of instructions to put your bookshelf together that are written wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so you wouldn't write instructions wrong and expect the result to be right, just like you can't show the wrong demonstration and expect them to do the right production. Yeah. You know, so sh- who should do it? Anybody who's good at it is first and foremost you know so it, and there will be times when you don't have anybody that is good at it yeah. okay so then you have to break down the demonstration into small bite-sized chunks so you know for example i don't know if you're if you're passing a rugby ball and you're going to demonstrate it you know it's like how do i demonstrate it if i can't do it well i can demonstrate where the ball starts by holding it there yep you know, I can demonstrate what happens to my hands once I release the ball, how they point at the target. I can demonstrate how the ball swings from my pocket or down there to the end exit point where it goes to the person I'm passing to. I might not even demonstrate by letting go of the ball because I don't really know where it's going to end up. But I can demonstrate the process. And in theory, if all the other bits have been done right, it should end up yeah, where you want it to but go. But I can still demonstrate. I can, <coughs> I can still me. visually show you where I want it to where I want your hands to start where I want you to hold the ball by looking at that information and getting that sort of information from whatever system I use and you know there's there's arguments about you know when you should you know I personally explain it as I'm doing it or I explain it as fictional Wendy's doing her egg roll or whatever it may be in gymnastics I explain as we're going through rather than I'll explain now watch Mm -hmm. or watch now explain I tend to do the two at the time 
But there is the other option of, um, you know, modern world technology to demonstrate for you as well. There is, but I think, you know, before before we hit the technology thing, I think the, just to close on the physical demonstration bit, you know, they, one of the most important things when you're demoing is the view of the person you're demonstrating to. Yeah. You know, so if you demonstrate, I'm trying to think of like a, so say a forward roll, right? Okay. One of the key components of a forward roll is tucking your chin in. Because if you don't tuck your chin in, you're likely to bounce on your head. Okay? Correct. So you're going to demonstrate, or somebody is going to demonstrate the, the chin tucking. Now, depending on what angle you are looking at that demonstration from, you may not see that. And it's... So subsequently, the demonstration does not tell the person who you're demonstrating to the key points of the element you're trying to coach. Yeah, yeah. So what I would always suggest is when you're demonstrating is to try and demonstrate from at least two angles. So have have a side-on demonstration, you know, and then have a face-on demonstration. So if you're if you're demonstrating a cricket shot, so you're saying, right, we're going to learn the uh, forward drive, you know. If you look at the forward drive front-on, you won't necessarily see the size of the step that you make with your front foot yep. to go towards the ball. If you demonstrate sideways on, you won't necessarily see the gap between your front foot and the bat, which has to be quite close together to hit it under your head. Yep. So both of those angles will actually show you a very different component of the skill you're trying to teach. If you just demonstrate with one of those angles, you're going to miss out the other one. Definitely, yeah. yeah. You know, so I think from a demonstration point of view, yes, it's important to have somebody that can do it, but also it's important about where the children stand and where you show that from. So yeah. that I just wanted to get there before we go on. No, to no, the, no, fine. Uh, on to technology. Technology, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I, with the technology, I'm thinking that's more can be done more in once they've gone off into their groups or their pairs or whatever they're doing. If there's a particular person, people who are struggling still, yeah, then you know you, we do have the option of uh, I, yeah, tablets of any make yeah. or whatever to show them proper demonstrations. Yeah, you do. Uh, I think that sometimes visual demonstrations visual tech is good you know it's a really good way of communicating what you're trying to do especially if you're talking about kind of instructions for a game so if you're if you're giving children instruction for a game and they're not quite getting it watching a visual of the game can help you know it's a, it's visual communication at the end of the day it's a way that they can learn yeah. from what you're doing if you've got specific skills that you're perhaps not got somebody around you that is able to do and you can't do yourself then a visual demonstration of that skill is, is useful via technology. Most halls now have a big screen in them. So if you're teaching things like gymnastics, you know, you can put it on for everyone to see. Alternatively, as you say, you can put it on a tablet and you can walk around individual groups. You don't want to be standing there really with a with a tablet held up <laughs> in front of 30, in front yeah. of 30 kids because that's not really going to... But in small groups around the screen, it's useful. You know, the, the key thing is, is that demonstrations whether that be you doing it whether that be a child doing it whether that be a video doing it it's an important part of PE and it's something that in outside of PE in other areas of learning is perhaps not as important you know you wouldn't necessarily demonstrate uh, although you would you demonstrate perhaps how to do a sum if you're doing long division yeah, you demonstrate yeah. one and you give them a long division was know, in my head as well yeah. you, or you demonstrate how to for, start forming a sentence you know so you would do it it's just perhaps not as active you know yeah. that's the difference is you wouldn't fit you'd, you'd write on a board rather than physically but you know there's nothing wrong with that if you've got a whiteboard you know draw on the board 
what you want to see demonstrate in the same way you would in a classroom if that's the starting point of getting you comfortable about demonstrations get your pen out and turn into you know tony hart or art attack or something and get that drawing done yeah. and and show them that way you know go through the components with a stick man of what needs to happen yeah just because the only other thing i was going to say about the technology as well it's also a handy way of communicating with children if let's stick to the forward role you, you, you all know your own rules in schools about this but you can film them doing a forward roll and then you can show it back to them so it's not just yeah. a, this is how a gold medalist so-and-so does yeah, a forward yeah. roll. You know, this is how you, fictional Wendy, do a forward yeah. roll. Or even better than that, you know, if you've got a child in school who is very good at it, use that for the school. Yeah. You know, because it's not going anywhere. So as long as you've got the right sort of things in place from a GDPR point of view, from a from an allowance by the parent to film them, from keeping it in-house from a security point of view, all that jazz, if you've got that in place, then... And you know that, you know, ex-child in year six goes to gymnastics, is a competent gymnast. She can do it. He can do it. Film it and show people it because that will resonate even more because they know the person on the screen. Yeah, definitely. You know? It's a realistic example. Exactly. And, you know, I think the key thing is, is that you have to, you have to impede, you have to do that demonstration, but you also have to get your explanation right. And I think one thing that sometimes falls down is, is too much instruction, you know, so we go all out with five minutes of spiel and expect talk as you say yeah and expect the children to remember it you know it's the key thing is is go and do this stop here's two things to think about go and try again stop here's another two things to think about go again stop you know so it's that fed communication rather than i'm going to stand here at the start of the lesson i'm going to talk for 10 15 minutes about what we're going to do how you're going to do it and then you're going to go away and, and do it. A, that's not a great pace to the lesson, but also it's an awful lot of re- retention that needs to happen, which fundamentally we, we know won't. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it, years gone by. We, I, th- I think, it, I think you and I went it went to this rugby training thing. But you know, a long time before we'd been doing this for a while, and they literally gave us a ball, split us into two teams. That's all they did. Gave us a ball, and we had to just get the ball over the other team's line. Mm. Then they fed in a rule of right now you can only pass it backwards. Yeah. Now you can only do it, and, and it went in twenty minutes from having literally like for anyone who knows right, a Shrove Tide Tuesday game in Ashbourne to a game of rugby just yeah. by dropping in every minute or every ninety seconds, dropping in a new rule. Yeah. That's that's in effect what what we're saying here, isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. Yeah. You get you get to the end result in a you know where you're trying to go, you know where you're trying to take the game, and that one rule at a time shapes it. You know, and it, it just does that in a way where you don't overpower people with information yes. because communication is, you know, part of communication is retention. You can talk and you can show as much as you like, but if it's in a way that it can't be retained, yeah, and it can't be understood, then it's pointless. Yeah, and you know, part of that is confirming understanding. So that's where your questioning at the end of the process comes in, and it's really important from a coaching and a PE perspective. Yeah, I mean, I was going a bit like I did at the start of the session. I was just going to say, so you know, we spoke about the different communication styles. Colin, do you understand? <laughs> yes, good. Right, we can move on to the next one. Look, do you understand, or are you just scared of telling me? Yeah, it's <laughs> it, that's a, it's one of our favourites. Is the wrong word, but it's it's a difficult one, look, because it's a natural way of speaking, isn't it? You yeah, know, it's for a start. It's a, it's a closing statement rather than a questioning statement. Does yeah. everyone understand? Good. Right, let's move on. Um, very few children who are excited about finally getting into the game after you've just rabbited at them for ten minutes are going to say no can you please can you talk clarify? to me some more yeah. 
Um, because, you know, by default, they're a bit bored, they're getting cold, and they can see those footballs, rugby balls, whatever, over there, you know, waving at them, ready to go and be played with. Yeah. So, fundamentally, most children, and we generalise in these quite a lot, but a lot of children will say, yes. Do you understand? Yes. How many times do you go, do you understand? Yes. And then you go out and the game starts completely wrong. Yeah. Oh, right, back you come. Clearly, you told me. Clearly <laughs> you don't understand, you know, and you get frustrated. So... There's 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 questioning to confirm understanding. You know, so the old the old favourite is you've just explained the game. You know, right? We're going to play stuck in the mud. Um, we're going to have three dobbers. The dobbers are going to run around. They're going to try and dob you above the waist. When you get dobbed, you need to put your hands out. Uh, when you are to get freed, one of your friends has to run under your arms. Uh, make sure you find space. Make sure you don't bump into anybody. Okay. Yeah. Right. So where do we have to dob them? Uh, above the waist. How many dobbers are we going to have? Three. Yeah, how do you free somebody? Run under their arms. Right, I've confirmed you understand. Yeah. Okay, because the key points that I want you to remember out of my instructions, you understand. So I've yeah. just gone with very specific questions. Only wanting a very short answer. So quite closed questions, really. Yeah. If I wanted to look at exploring something further, so if I was in a game situation, I was going to go, right, we're going to, um, we're going to play a game of rugby with five on five, uh, and we're looking at width. Okay. Why do we need width in rugby? I don't know. Okay, why would we need width in any sport? Oh, try and get round people or to stretch the defence or open up gaps, you know, everything. Okay, so where do we score in a game of rugby? At the, at the other end, at the other end okay. of the pitch. In the middle or the full width? Anywhere along that line. Right, so width in rugby then means that we actually open the pitch up to be a lot wider. <coughs> width in football is a very different concept because we go around the outside to come back into the middle for the goal. So if we spread the defence wide, what does that create for us? Gaps. Right, so... I, you get the gist. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm questioning you to make you come up with the answer. I'm trying to get you to take me to a place that I want to go. I want you to talk to me about width. I want you to explore width. And as a group, you change your questioning style. As soon as you go, does everyone understand? Yeah. Or that's what you get. <laughs> you know, so I think it's really important that one of the things we learn out of this is the different questioning styles required in PA. You know, so that that confirmation of understanding is one that exploration of ideas is two but also you know it involves the children in the decision making definitely you know and this is really important because what that does is it deepens understanding so if you if you tell somebody what to do and why to do it they don't necessarily understand it they just know the answer yeah if you get them involved in the decision making process of why do we use width right well let's try it Let's go and try it, see what happens. What happened? Well, the, because the defence knew we were trying to be wide, they were going really wide as well. Okay, so what do we do to combat that? Well, if we move the ball back inside, we could attack some of the space we've left there. That's a really good idea. Let's go and give that a whirl. And that's that That leads, it's it's like it's like the mastery of, you yeah. know, you know that, is it the mastery of math? Yeah. It's quite popular these days. Yeah. Um, it is, it, it's very much like that, but it's, it's self-discovery, but, they're being led down the path but not being yeah. given the answers that they go right go that way tell me what you find yep that sort of thing isn't yeah exactly it? and and you know the mastery of maths is a good analogy because you know that's that's all about taking um a way of doing things and applying it to different situations yeah you know so it's about right here's the five times table five times one is one times five is five two times <laughs> I five, thought five, he was ten, struggling with the yeah. answer but then it's like right if if johnny has five Apples. Apples, and he's, you know, he's at the, 
then work it out. And it's all these different solutions to the, and different ways of coming up with still five times five equals 25. And this is the same thing a little bit with P. You know, the mastery of PE is a good is a good analogy because you go out and you put your you put things in place and you put solutions in place and you put ideas in place and you try them and then you learn and the children learn with you from what's happened. So if you're, you know, if you're talking about width in rugby, I know we grabbed on about rugby a little bit, it might not be everyone's bag, but if you talk about width in rugby, generally children will use width to stand wide, you know, so they'll create a, they'll create a wide attacking platform but they don't actually use width because the ball never yeah, finds yeah, its way the, out. Yeah, there. they'll understand what width means, but not necessarily width yeah. as an attacking principle yeah. in this particular sport. Now, that's fine if you use it as a learning tool, because what you'll find then is that the defence will get aware of that and they will start defending narrower anyway, because, yeah, yeah you might stand out there, but it ain't going there. Then you talk about the challenges that the, the children face and how they could perhaps combat that. What would make that defence stand wider? Well, you could tell them to. I could, yeah. yeah. But what could you do? Well, if we actually pass the ball to such and such occasionally, they might start thinking we might do that more often and they might then get wider and they might then create holes for us to attack. Yes, they might. Let's give it a go. Yeah. And that's the that's the question in the communication style of that sort of process. Is not, right, I'm not going to put a constraint on the game that says you must do this. Okay, I'm not going to say you must defend with a gap of two metres between you all the time. Yeah, because that, take, that takes away a lot of what you're trying to, you know, that just gives them, again, gives them the answer, doesn't it? Yeah, and, you know, constraints constraints are very popular in coaching at the minute. Yeah. You know, they are a way of putting what you want to do into a game and giving us a, a scenario or creating a scenario that matches your learning objective. All I will say about constraints in games is think about who you are putting the constraint on and the impact that that has on the game as a whole. So, for example, if you uh, are doing a game where you put a constraint on the attacking team that says you must always pass the ball when you receive it from a tackle, for example, right. in rugby. you know. Yeah. So when a tag's made, you must always pass the ball but you must always pass it twice. So it must go, it must be two passes before you can run because that might create more width for us because it'll mean that the ball goes out. Yep. If you then find that the defence are not marking the first receiver, because why would you? Because you know he's got you know to he's pass it. Anywhere, yeah. Then you're actually creating by default an ungame-like situation because yeah. that wouldn't happen in a real game. So then you sort of say, well, actually, now we're going to change that constraint and we're going to say that the first receiver can't score. Okay. So I've still got to, he's still got to pass at some point, but he's not necessarily going to pass straight away, which means that if we don't defend him or her, they may run through that gap. And just stand on the line waiting for someone to take stand it off. On the line, yeah. Yeah. But that, that would be all right, because then you've still got to have somebody running in the second receiver as he's on his shoulder to take the pass. So you're actually teaching them something they want them to do anyway, running teams. Yeah, yeah. So you've just got to be conscious of what the constraint puts into the game. And that's not really a communication thing. So we've digressed a little bit there. Yeah. That's just a, a free tip in the middle of a communication <laughs> podcast. But no, no. Okay, I'll bring it back a little bit. So we'll continue with width. Yeah. You've got they're all <clears throat> excuse me they're all attacking but they're beautiful one side of the pitch to the other the defence are all spread once and you've picked up on something yeah you've picked up on something do you a 
keep them where they are because they're in the right places and just say, stand where you are. I'm going to tell you what's happening now, but yeah. I'm going to have to shout a little bit louder. I might have to blame a whistle to get your attention or do you just bring them all in? Well, you've spent all this time trying Ooh. to get them to be in the right place. They're finally there. You say, right, take a mental photograph, guys, because I'm going to bring you in now. Well, they should have, by that point, you know, you've never, obviously you wouldn't do this, but you've never pulled and pushed anyone into the right place. They've got there in the end. Yeah. My point is, are you going to bring them in? Are you going to whistle them to bring them in? Are you going to think, oh, leave it a little bit longer because they're where they are? Back to the whole point of this, of communication, it's it's almost like, do I just go louder so they can all hear me? Yeah. Do I bring them in, talk nicely to them? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, well, what, if that, it, that's when you start to... If it was me, if it was me, I'd take a photo. Yep. That's what I, that's personally what I would do. I would take, you know, because we're talking about a small group of children. It's not like a... 15 on 15 yeah, it's, 10, it's 10 kids it's 5 on 5 yeah. said or whatever, so I would, yeah. I would get into the optimum position I would take a picture and I'd say right look at this this is what you've created you've created this overlap on the outside you've created, because what what you see is not what they see and I think that's important to yeah, yeah. talk about as well is that what you see from the side is not what children see in the game it's not what we see in the game when we're playing so if we go and play a sport on a Saturday whatever sport that may be the view you get in the middle of the action is very different to the view your coach or manager gets on the side. Of course it is. So course it is. trying to explain that to children is difficult without a visual communication aid. So there is nothing wrong with taking a photo on a school iPad, showing it them and then instantly deleting it. It's not going anywhere, it's no, not yeah, stored yeah, anywhere. Yeah. It's just because, you know, that is fundamentally, let's not forget that if you are fast forwarding from, you know, ex primary school to Manchester United Football Club, they will have a video set up on every training session yeah. and they will watch that like they do their matches and they will talk about who hasn't done what who's making good runs who's doing this who's doing that because in the game you don't know you've got an idea if you've played well but yeah. you don't know you know if you if you're a right back and the left winger starts beating you all the time and you look at the video back and notice that your body position means that you can't see them half the time yeah. it's no wonder they're getting around the back even getting in the gaps so you then go out and work on from a training perspective how to make your body position better how to not leave that space behind you you use the video technology to improve your performance. Of course, yeah. So I, mean, I, I would I would do that. If the, if it didn't have a photo, all honesty, I'd bring them in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm the same. I think I'll, I'll bring them in. You know, we've said before, you know, if it's windy, blah, you know, blah, 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 you get them in. I'm still, I just can't get my head around that poor child who's made such a drop from primary school football to go into Manchester United. What a shame for him. <laughs> what yeah. a poor lad. Anyway, personal opinions. Anyway, um, that you're not allowed to give me a yes or no answer to this one. I want a full answer. Whistles, yes or no? <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you not allowed to give me a yes or no? Whistles, yes or no? Yes or no, with explanation. What a what a poor questioning technique that is. <laughs> it really was, wasn't um, it? I, I personally think whistles are ideal for Pete, but I also think that you, Pete, you can get whistle happy with them kids start to think is this starting a game is this because there's been a foul is this the end of the game is this because you want my attention is this because someone's messing around is, you can start to get whistle happy there is, with them there is an art to whistle management I think <laughs> there is an art to whistle management um, I once went on a refereeing course well actually an umpiring course an England hockey umpiring course and um, part of the afternoon session was on how to blow a whistle seriously seriously yeah and you kind of think it's not that hard is it but then when you go around a lot of schools there is an awful lot of different whistle blowing so you get the you get the like the you know the sort of the token I don't want to offend anybody I just want to make a yeah noise you then get the people who are 
blasting it like this you know their, their life depends on it the, you know then you get the everything is like the referee's final whistle in the game of football the bah, 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 you know that one um, and or you just get people that for some reason can't get their lip positioning right so they end up like <laughs> so you know you know with the P ones if your lips yeah. too far over the end you, you get a oh yes yeah, yeah. and so the, you do it, get those that are like think 1990 in the Hacienda as well you get yeah. them there right? <laughs> yeah. uh, crazy so in answer to your question whistles are no, yes or no yes um, whistles are a fundamental part of refereeing so if if for nothing else in PE you need to understand that when the whistle goes that stops the game you know yeah. health and safety you know if there's an injury all sorts of reasons do you need to use a whistle inside the hall no Let's be brutal. No, the reality no. is, inside a hall, you should be able to say, like you should in the classroom, three, two, one, quiet, or, you know, when I start clapping, same sort of classroom routine. If children are spread out across the field, then you need a louder mechanism, and it's one step down from a, you know, from a foghorn, air horn, yeah. or, a, or a loudspeaker. Yeah. So, yes, you should have them, I think, in PE. Should you use them effectively? Yes. Should you be whistle happy? No. They're really good at, you know, getting attention. I think that the way I use a whistle is you know if I'm using it for because something's gone bad or wrong. It's, you know, it's, that it's a much voice, it's it? a much heavier blow. It's a much longer blow. It's an attention-seeking blow. Yeah. If it's refereeing a football match, it's you know that's a foul or that's a, it's a short, a sharper uh, sort of breath. So. I think that you can differentiate the two. I don't think you have to... Yeah, I think... I, I, personally, I, I think... Uh, and I tend to not start games or start activities on the whistle because, you know, right, you know, if you say you can start on my whistle, three, two, one, fictional Johnny starts messing around, I want his attention, I've blasted that whistle, everyone's started. Yeah. You know, it's so I just... Yeah, you can go on, go. But personal. That's yeah, just, yeah. But I think kids need to know... Again, going back years gone by you and I were coaching somewhere and um, your whistle was for starting stopping games whatever it was and we just told the children you know, if, if I had to use my whistle something had gone seriously wrong yeah. you know you, there was there was an issue and blah and occasionally it was coming up doing it now but it, it's coming up close to my mouth and you could see the, I didn't need to blow my whistle yeah. to cause the you know it was, it was almost like a fear thing like good yeah, cop bad cop wasn't it if you I, like but. I think the, the key thing is is you know from a communication point of view you've You've got to get the the children in a position where you can communicate to them. Absolutely. So we've talked about the different Absolutely. styles of communication. We've talked about you know the verbal communication. We've talked about the volume. We've talked about the tone. You know, we've talked about the the visual communication. We've talked about the demonstrations. But all of that only works if the children are near you to see it. You yeah. know, so you have got to bring them close to you because what PE gives us against the classroom and the difference from teaching indoors to outdoors is the weather. You know, so first and foremost, it might be lovely and sunny, but if there's a wind, that's going to take your words and it's going to flip them away before they reach the ear of the intended recipient. So, you know, you are you've got an issue there. You've got to bring them close enough that they can hear you. If you are shouting for an hour, you know, because they're that far away, it's then very difficult to behave or manage potentially because your standard delivery is your shouty voice. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. in a bad way, not but you can't you can't get any higher or you can't get any louder. Voice. So, you know, that it's, it's about bringing them in. And sometimes a whistle will, will be needed to do that because if they are that far away, you may be able to sort of like, you know, give it the old three, two, one on your hand type thing, but yeah. 
because they're far away. But to see your hand, you've got to get their attention. Yeah. And I think I, I think the, the communications is massively important in PE, in life, but in PE really because a lot of the answers is there's different ways of getting to them, or the or yeah. the answers can be different. Yeah. And in in math, you can do it as many ways as you like. Four plus four is always going to be. Yeah. Hang on. Eight-ish. Yeah. You know, you can do it in. In PE, you know, width, brilliant. Oh, so that'll work. Not necessarily, because they might have clicked onto this. Yeah. So the communi- you've got to get those levels of communication right. Yeah, well. and don't forget that, you know, from from a sport perspective, communication itself is imperative. You know, so if you're if you're talking about communication not from a teaching point of view, from actually but from a learning point of view, you know, what what is the biggest thing that you teach people in or you coach people in sport? as they start getting a little bit older it's communication oh yeah yeah you know it's talking to each other it's being able to to talk verbally but also you know communicate by signs you know how many times do you see a goalkeeper in a football game pointing yeah you know Uh, how many times do you see the the center backs or the 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 defenders you know calling the midfielders back with with sort of an arm movement. Come here sort of movements, yeah. yeah. How do you how how often do you it pans to the, the manager on the sidelines and there's all the pointing and moving and, you know, pushing the hands together as if to say yeah. compact a little bit more and so but the point I'm making is that when you when you are getting into year five and six and we're talking about, you know, these attacking and defending principles, they don't work without communication. Absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I was I was just gonna say the the other big one is Whenever it may be, whatever sport it may be, week what, week three in that term, we're teaching them that this is the attacking principle. Week four, we teach them how to defend that attacking principle. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I know how to do it, but now they know how to defend it. So we need to find another way of doing it. Yeah, but they, yeah. You know, they, it's so important. But they have to talk to each other because you know, like if communicate, you, they don't have to talk; they have to communicate yeah. somehow. So, yeah. but as a coach, and this is where we, we go from teaching to coaching. But you know, one of the one of the most important elements of coaching you know especially at junior level is a lot of people get carried away at junior level coaching with what they've won which I think is ridiculous so you know they look at uh, you know a coach of an under 13s under 14s and 12s defines their own success by the, oh, we the trophies the on the mantelpiece tournament yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah by the trophies on the mantelpiece which is which is a bit bonkers but anyway but one of, for me when I when I look at coaches and I look at coaching I think that one of the key success criterias is how good your team perform when you don't say anything yeah you know so if you can stand on the sideline of a game or of a training session in complete silence and those children can organize themselves can make the right decisions because that's what shows you you're creating good players yeah if you are standing on the side going, right, pass the ball across to John, pass it forward to Steve, Steve, dribble it past him, get it wide, cross it into the box, edit it, shoot. What you're actually creating is people who can listen to instructions. Yeah. That's not the same as decision making. And when you look at athlete development, and I know we're going off teaching a little bit, when you look at athlete development, one of the key components of athlete development is decision making. Because you've got to make you've got to make a decision all the time. Dynamics it's whether, of the game is it's whether you make a good one or a bad one. If you have to wait for somebody to tell you what to do, then by default you are not a good decision maker. Yeah. So the more we can engage children in the decision making, the more we can engage them in communicating between themselves, the less we have to communicate. And that is where you then say, I'm getting somewhere. Because 
I can use, and we'll use the TLGP analogy, is I can talk about width in rugby. Next half term, I can talk about width in hockey. I should have to talk about less. Yeah, it shouldn't take as long, yeah. So then when we come on to the term after and we talk about width in netball, I should have to talk about even less. If we did that for six half terms and in the end we talked about football, wouldn't it be great if you could just go, right, you know all about width, I'm going to give you 20 minutes, start playing a game, put width into practice and show me how it works. Yeah. Stand and watch and see what's gone in. And they might be going, actually, this changes a little bit because in rugby you can score in the corners, in football you've got to come back in. But and but in netball def- we had to stand still when we had the ball. So exactly. Yeah. And if you if you get that process, you get you start to get decision makers, you start to get engaged learners, you start to get a deeper understanding. Yeah. And you start to get, as you alluded to earlier, the mastery of PE. Absolutely. I think that's a great time to finish. Um hope that's given you everything you needed to know. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and you can check out all of the twelve podcasts in the TLGPE DNA programme. And we'll speak to you again soon.